This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. I'm Eric Francis, live from the Saddle Dome. Big game tonight, Calgary Flames versus Johnny Gaudreau. We have a couple of uh, very interesting guests. And by the way, Johnny Gaudreau just did the morning skate. And the first time he touched the puck, all of his teammates booed him getting him ready for tonight's reaction from the fans, which will undoubtedly involve plenty of booing, will undoubtedly involve a standing ovation at an appropriate time following a a tribute, and then after that, all bets are off. (laughs) Then he's officially gone, and uh, people will treat him as they will, but an incredible run here in Calgary. And our first guest today uh, can speak to just how perilous a situation it was not just at the end when he was trying to decide whether he was going to come back to Calgary, but when he first decided to sign with Calgary, it came right down to an 11th hour between whether or not he was going to sign with the Flames or go back for another year of college and then become a free agent and then probably sign somewhere else. But uh, our first guest can speak to uh, that very, very well because he was involved in all that. Brian Burke is our guest on the the Alice Pizza guest hotline. Burke, are you there, my friend? Okay, we don't have him quite yet. We're endeavoring to get Brian Burke. Uh, our guest in the second half of the show is going to be Aaron Portsline. He covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is here in the rink today where Johnny Gaudreau is speaking momentarily, uh, you know, addressing the, his return to Calgary. I don't think we're expecting him to say anything earth-shattering, but, you know, we're always interested to hear from Johnny Gaudreau, especially on a day like this, which a lot of people have been looking forward to, maybe some dreading. Either way, a lot of uh, excitement, a lot of eyeballs on tonight's game here at the Saddle Dome between Columbus, who is in last place in the NHL, against the Calgary Flames, who are coming off, I would say, their best effort of the entire season on Saturday. They won 6-2 against the three-time NHL finalist, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I thought it was as complete a game as they've had all year long. We saw the debut of Jacob Pelche, uh, six minutes and change, um, 42 seconds or something like that on the power play. Had a great chance early in the game. Um, saved by Andre Vasilevsky. That's kind of a cool memory when a Hall of Famer is the one who gobbles up your first shot uh, in the NHL. And uh, just a really beautiful day. He spoke about his parents crying when they heard the news the night before. They flew at 10 p.m. from Montreal the night before the game, arrived at 3 a.m. for a 1 p.m. game. His girlfriend got there in time, like two hours before puck drop. They were all there. They saw his incredible moment, the dream come true. Um, Anyone who reads sportsnet.ca has probably seen my column already. My thoughts on the coach's reaction when we asked him a softball question about Pelche's debut, and he basically made a mockery of of the kid. And uh, I think it was to try and show up the media, who who he's sick of uh, answering questions about Pelche for. But... uh, I will say Daryl Sutter backtracked somewhat today and uh, very interesting that John Bean, the president of the organization, was there at the press conference today, the media availability, which I don't remember happening um, during the season. So just an interesting uh, reaction from around the hockey world, too. Uh, I've heard from people from coast to coast who uh, thought that the coach should be admonished, as I did in my column, for his comments um, you know, just, just just not being nice, just not showing human decency. It was Hockey Day in Canada. It was a celebration of the game. 
it was a chance for a, a wonderful story on Hockey Day in Canada. The Canadian boy who's making his NHL debut, everybody's dream come true, and it got sullied. It got sullied by the coach and uh, and his ego. So that was unfortunate. Uh, it'll be interesting how he proceeds moving forward. Uh, Pelche did not come up at the press conference today. He decided to bring it up and suggested that the only way, uh, way to kind of monitor how he played was by looking at his 420 minutes and looking at the stat sheet. It was kind of a uh, an attempt to try and explain why he did that, why he put on such a show. But uh, either way, people have very strong thoughts on it, and uh, and I certainly did as well, and that's why I wrote a column about it. And uh, and I, I am interested to get even more feedback. Uh, the fan feedback line's open, 960, 960, for your thoughts. What is going to happen with... Uh, what is going to happen tonight with Johnny Gaudreau and what is going to happen, you know, moving forward with Pelche. He will be in the lineup. Oh, I'm just getting a message here from Brian Burke. It's going straight to his voicemail. <laughs> and uh, Berkey's not all that technologically savvy. We'll, uh, we'll endeavor to get him any second here. But sorry, going back to Johnny Gaudreau um, and Pelche, it, Pelche is going to be in the lineup tonight, again, in a fourth-line role. Uh, I actually think that's a perfect role for him because there's no pressure. Uh, whether he plays six minutes or 12 minutes, the coach said ideally he would play in the teens in terms of minutes on the fourth line. But sometimes power plays, penalty kills dictate that the flow of the game limits the time for a fourth-liner. Um, hopefully that's not the case tonight. And hopefully we get to see more of Jacob Pelche. Be, uh, so... That's uh, sorry. I'm back and forth with Dry Burke here on text line. Uh, I'm going to send him the the message or the uh, phone number here for the studio. And there we go. Okay. Uh, also talking to John Davidson today was very interesting. Uh, John Davidson's president of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he is a guy who. Um, you know, everything's kind of disintegrated for Columbus this year, and they're now in a position where they're in the, the catbird seat for Connor Bedard. Uh, they didn't see this coming uh, with all the injuries and, and, and the fact that they're in last place in the NHL right now, but it could they could end up being ultimately rewarded uh, for their mediocrity. Johnny Gaudreau is still posting some pretty good numbers at this point in time, but it doesn't matter when your team is losing. He has 18 points more than the second leading scorer on his team he misses Boone Jenner said no one ever I mean it's amazing that he would miss being playing with a guy like Boone Jenner who I don't think many people would have him as their first line center uh, he's a leader on the, that team for sure but it's not the ideal centerman for a guy like Johnny Gaudreau and that's for sure so uh, lots of balls in the air there with a team that other than Johnny Gaudreau I don't think these tickets would be selling quite as quickly if it wasn't for Johnny Gaudreau's return to the lineup uh, tonight. And as I said, the players are having a little bit of fun with it. I saw Johnny walk in this morning. He was in front of, he was the first guy off the bus walking into the building with a coffee in his hand, you know, kind of head down, business-like, but he knows that today is not just another day at the office. No matter how long uh, he's been away, uh, there are still some sore feelings from people here in this building, here in this city, at the way in which he left. And as I say to everybody, there's no good way to break up. And uh, so there were going to be hard feelings no matter what, but it was the 11th hour way he broke up, of course. That is the reason why the boos may be a little louder 
And that'll be an interesting one. Are they louder? Are people more aggressively booing him than they did for Matthew Kachuk? Because I do believe the general feeling in the city is people are okay with the way Kachuk left. They're not okay with the way Johnny left. So, uh, but they're different players. Johnny Gaudreau was much more of an impact player, a superstar in this league. Uh, not to take away anything from Matthew Kachuk, it's well documented how highly I think of Matthew Kachuk. But he wasn't the face of the franchise for as many years as Johnny Gaudreau was. Wasn't the impactful player that Johnny... Twice in his career here, Johnny Gaudreau was a Hart Trophy, a significant candidate uh, to be you know, in the top three or, or maybe even win it. But um, you can't say that about Kachuk yet, but maybe down the road. We have Brian Burke now. Brian, thanks for joining me, my friend. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Sorry about the technical issues there, but I appreciate your perseverance. Um, Johnny Gaudreau. I want to ask you so many different things about him. He's coming back to Calgary tonight. Any idea what you expect from the crowd or, or how you think they should receive him? Well, those are two very different questions. I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to receive him. I know <laughs> okay, there's a lot, of hard, a lot of hard feelings, and I think he's going to hear about it. But uh, I'm not going to offer a different perspective. I was not involved when he left. I know... Uh, I think people's perception is that it was last minute and left them kind of hanging in the lurch. I'm not going to offer an opinion on that. Just, that's what people say to me. And I think he's going to get a rough ride. I will tell you, it was a joy to have when I had him. He was, uh, there were a lot of rumors about him that he didn't want to be there, that he wasn't a good kid, that, that some lifestyle things. And we never had a speck of trouble with him. He was late for practice one day. That happens to every kid at some point. Uh, he, his work ethic was excellent. He's, he was popular with his teammates, and he was a, a good Calgary player. Now, tell, take us back to the story, because I've talked to you about this before, and I wrote a column just now, uh, just posted it, actually, of, about how uh, tenuous it was when you, you guys, the day you signed him, uh, he'd play, just finished the Frozen Four. They lost in the semifinals. Uh, you sent Craig Conroy down with a private jet and Peter Hanlon to bring this kid back because you didn't want him to go back to his fourth year of college because then he could have walked as a free agent, potentially. Craig Conroy tells the story. You tell the story, too. How tenuous was it? You know, there was a chance that he wasn't going to come that year. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, first off, uh, Connie was was, uh, dispatched to bring this kid back, and he won the Hobie Baker. And for him to burn a year, he had to play in that final game. It wasn't optional. He had to get back in time and play in that final game or else his contract was extended a year, and we all agreed that wouldn't be the case. So uh, Mrs. Coudreau had some last-minute second thoughts and said, um, you know, I'm not sure this is best. As she mentioned, my reputation, that, you know, Brian Burke likes big bruising teams and, Johnny's a little guy, and I don't know what's. I don't know if we should do this. And I told Connie, "You tell Mrs. Goudreau. Or the, the Goudreaux are wonderful people. But you tell Mrs. Goudreau we're not going to coerce anyone into coming to Calgary. So if she would rather Johnny go back and finish at BC, uh, we'll we'll comply with those wishes. That's fine. And he decided to get on the plane anyway. But no, it was it was that close. And and as as Connie says, you. You know, Conroy was called you in a fluster, saying, "Oh my God, I get the feeling." You know, Guy said, uh, "Guy Goudreau said, you know, he's not going to. He's worried about playing on a Brian Burke team. What do I do?" And you said, "At some point, 
pull the contract and say, we wish you all the best. We'll be here next year at the end of the year. Um, you know, go back and play one more year of college, and, and that's fine with us. It, it, that was the instruction you gave to Conroy at some point, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, and, and i do it again. I, I don't think it was a negotiating ploy. I think it was legit, <clears throat> legit second thoughts by the by the Gaudreaux. I think they were just not quite sure. And I said, if that's that, then, then uh, we're fine with that. You know, get Johnny back to school, and we'll be there at the end of the season because you got the whole August 15th thing. So that was exactly right. Uh, only Connie's probably not adding to the story how uh, nervous he was making the phone call to me, thinking <laughs> I came here. I came here to do one job, and God darn it, he's gonna, they're going to send him home. He was nervous. There's no question about it. He made that very clear when I talked to him about it. Like, you had one job, do it, and uh, and don't come back otherwise. But uh, and it was good on on ownership too to send the jet. I mean that that shows a real dedication, and that maybe would have been something that tipped the scales too to to make him realize how serious you were about getting this kid under contract. Yeah, I, I think it was you know like I remember when I interviewed for the job here, and and Ken King, the late great Ken King, asked me. You know, tell me about Johnny Gaudreau. I said, I don't know what we have there. We've got a guy who's there's not going to be any middle ground. He's either going to be too small to play or he's got a chance to be exceptional. He's not just going to be okay. He's either going to be really good or really useless. And um, I, I remember going through the interview process, and even when we signed him, you know, he put up all these numbers. I had him in the world championships. One reason I wasn't so worried about Johnny Gaudreau is I had him in the world championships. I want to say – Belarus, but it might have been Ukraine. I'm not sure where. But I had him several, you know, I had like nine teams in the world championships. And Johnny was there the one year. And I remember the first day watching practice, how everyone got him the puck right away. The guys had all figured out Kevin Hayes was on that team, a whole bunch of guys, and they all figured out Johnny will make the play. So they got him the puck every chance they could, and he got open. But the reason I'm telling the story is, he got drilled. Johnny got drilled by two big six foot four defensemen. I'm sure it was Slovakia we were playing. And one six four defenseman caught him straight flush into the boards, really nailed him. Like, would have been a, a hit that you might have hurt anyone, let alone a smaller guy. And then it happened again about four minutes later. And I'm thinking, he's not getting up from either one of these. And he got up and skated away from both of them. And I thought, he's a little tougher than people think. Because he got drilled. I mean, smoked. Mm hmm. He, uh, it was amazing actually his record in terms of uh, resiliency. Like I mean, he didn't miss a lot of games as a Calgary Flame. He played through a lot of stuff like everybody does. But uh, you would think that someone that small would maybe be prone to missing more action. But uh, he wasn't. He wasn't an Iron Man. You wouldn't say that. But he sure didn't miss a lot of action. So, it, it, of all the things that you saw from Johnny Gaudreau over the year, was there anything that surprised you? No, I, I think the the obviously the team's lack of playoff success when we were there um, that got blamed on on Johnny to some extent, right? Anytime you're a key player on a team, the league score and your team doesn't advance, people point the finger at you, which I didn't think was fair at the time. Still don't. Um, I think it's really a there's an unfortunate divorce that's left a lot of hard feelings and. Uh, and that's too bad because at one point there was a real love affair for, between Johnny and the city. So um, no surprises, uh, just uh, maybe the lack of playoff success. 
Well, let, let me ask you that. You say it's unfair just for the star player to be pointed out. In general, I get that that's not necessarily always fair, but what what was it that made him so unsuccessful in the playoffs over the years? It, you know, the theory is that the games just get more intense, the big boys really step up, they're more punishing, and he was pushed to the perimeter. Is that is that fair? His game did change. Do you agree with that as well? Yeah, I think there's a little bit to that, but if you look at the stats in our playoff stats, they're not very good for most of our players. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't just on him. Okay. The multi-systemic, uh, multi-systemic failure. There you go. Fair enough. Okay, I appreciate it. We're talking to Brian Burke. It's the Eric Francis Show. Uh, I It's obviously a big day here in Calgary with Johnny Gaudreau coming back to the Flames. But I also wanted to talk to you uh, about uh, what happened last week because I hadn't seen any comments from you, and, and forgive me if they were out there, but I wanted to get it straight from the horse's mouth on Provorov. As someone who founded You Can Play, I thought of you instantly at, uh, at, at what Provorov decided to do by not wearing the pride jersey, skipping, uh, or not just not wearing the pride jersey. I thought it was so classy of You Can Play to respond, I think, on Twitter via press release. They just said, hey, just we want to thank everybody on the Philadelphia Flyers who took part in tonight's you know, festivities celebrating inclusivity in the game. That was the high road, and I love it. I'm interested in your thoughts as someone who founded You Can Play. What do you thought of what he did? Well, everyone says I founded You Can Play with my son, Patrick. Actually, Patrick and another couple guys did that. And um, I get a lot of credit for that, and I really played a tangential role in it, although the You Can Play project is very much a part of our family life and fundraising and so on. So I, I just always like to issue that disclaimer. Fair um, enough. So here's, here's my view. I have not been asked about it. I, I have... Um, by people I bumped into, but I mean, I, I think the league's position and the legal position is that a player has the right to say, I'm not participating in this type of a, a program. And there's very little Colin Kaepernick. Uh, let's say someone who was opposed to the U.S. military didn't want to be on military night. There's nothing the league can or should do about that. But that's not, it shouldn't be like, oh, it's, uh, that's okay then. It's okay. It's his right. It's unfortunate because the, the player involved in this case uh, is entitled to his own view, is entitled to his own opinion. That should never change and will never change. But the statement that was made by in the process of doing this is unfortunate where there's been such a commitment to inclusion and diversity and a welcoming environment for all of our fans and players. I think that's much more important than any political statement about being committed to certain activities. I'm not going to say lifestyles because that's a, a, that's not a reflective term. I guess the best way I'd sum it up is, with all the work we're doing to make people feel welcome, it's truly unfortunate that one player would take that position, but that is his right. There are some people who who say that this is a step backwards for for the movement. And again, going back to you can play, whether you found it or not, you've championed the cause and you've done your son proud by by how much work and effort you put into it let's not make any mistakes there but i i disagree with people who say that this sets the moment all the great work that's been done and and all the promotion and and how this is you know society is getting better because of movements like yours or, or like this and it sets them back i disagree i actually think this shines a light on on the ignorance involved with some people what are your thoughts on that well i i look this is this is important work. 
the notion is the notion is in my mind we want to have a, a, a welcoming environment for everybody every player every fan every front office person every trainer everyone and it, I'm with you I think it's I think it reaffirms it, it, in my mind the the, ignor, the ignorance of a player who takes certain positions not this case not Provorov's case but for someone to take a public position that's insulting and ignorant, like some of the right-wing media. Uh, I don't think that sets us back. I see it as, as temporary um, irritations. Really, the <laughs> you got to look at where we started. You look where we started. When I was a when I was in high school, 1973, there were no gay kids in my high school. There were 3,000 students in my high school. There were no zero gay kids. Right? Of course, it's not right. This, no one dared come out at that point. Yeah. Time. Okay. Yeah. Good. And I yeah. look at the, the the evolution since that time. I, I said this to Brendan before Brendan passed away. To Brendan, your life as a young gay man is far better than it was ten years ago or twenty years ago. It's nowhere near where we need to get. Mm-hmm. But let's not lose sight of the progress we've made. So I view it as I don't think it's a setback at all. I think it's an irritating part of a uh, sidelight of a player having the right to express his own opinion, but not affecting the outcome of this movement. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well said. Uh, listen, I know you're, we're talking to Brian Burke. He's the president of uh, hockey operations for uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and I don't want to dwell. I mean, we're a Calgary audience here at Calgary radio station, but your take on the Calgary flames. I know it's been what over a month since uh, we last saw you when we were in Pittsburgh, but your take on, on, where the Calgary Flames are at right now, just from afar. Well, that, that I'm not about to come on uh, even your show, Eric, and comment on the Flames. And I work for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I someone okay. else can dissect their season. I will say this: I do. I thought what what Brad Sullivan pulled off last summer was mind-bogglingly successful. Took a lot of guts. Took a lot of reaction on the fly. I like their team. I like their group. I think they're going to be just fine. All right. And how about your group? Is uh, Where do you feel your group is at right now? Well, we're too streaky. We've had a very inconsistent year where we lose five, win five, lose five, win, lost 12, I think, or lost six at a time and won 12. And that inconsistency doesn't bode well for a team in the long run. So we want to get more consistent. Our problem locally is, or lately has been that we're banged up. We're playing without three of our right shot defensemen out of six, out of our sixty. So we've been shorthanded and banged up, and it's it's cost us a little bit. But we really like our group. We've got a good leadership group. Starts and ends with the captain. But we've got a good leadership group. Our coach is outstanding. Our players work hard. I like our team, and I like our chances. We just got to get healthy. Awesome. Brian Burke, thank you so much, my friend. Always good to get caught up with you. Uh, good luck uh, over the next little stretch, and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks, my man. Okay, thanks, Eric. Okay, there he is. Brian Burke brought to us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Uh, I, I agree with what Burke just said. I mean, I, I, we both agreed there that what Provorov did was uh, uh, an irritation. I, I love the way that he put it that way. And uh, that's interesting that no media had ever asked Brian Burke for his reaction to this because I thought of him right away. 
Uh, anyway, I appreciate him coming on and sharing his thoughts on uh, an issue uh, and a situation that is absolutely dear to his heart, and he puts a lot of work and time into that in, in his son's honor and, uh, and good on for doing that. Okay, we're going to take a break. Johnny Gaudreau has finished talking. We're going to find out what he said, what was interesting. Aaron Portsline from the Columbus Blue Jackets is going to join us momentarily here. We're going to find out all about what happened here at the Dome this morning as we get set for Johnny Gaudreau's return to the Saddle Dome, uh, where he's already being prepped for the booze <laughs> uh, by his own teammates at the morning skate this morning. That's a lot of fun. Okay, the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact on in Alberta annually. Visit horses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsible. We'll be right back with Aaron Portsline. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we're back. Thanks so much to Brian Burke for the first half hour of the show. thought it was important that he talked about what Provorov did, the reaction from uh, from the other side of that that debate. So, uh, And uh, also his thoughts on Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, he just posted a column, like I said, on, uh, on how tenuous a situation it was when Johnny Gaudreau was wavering as to whether or not to come to Calgary or go for one more year of university, one more year of college at Boston College. Poor Craig Conroy, when he tells the story, as I write in my column, Craig would have been sweating profusely, pacing nervously uh, after the parents basically said, yeah, we don't think Johnny fits in on a Brian Burke team. And he made Johnny Gaudreau sweat for the next eight hours until the family finally decided, you know what? Okay, we'll jump on that private jet and start this ride. And uh, obviously the city's better off for it. And now we come full circle. Johnny, on his next 11th hour decision, decided no and not to come to Calgary. And because of it, that's the focus of tonight's game and uh, joining us with someone who's been following Johnny a whole lot closer than we have this year is Aaron Portsline from The Athletic. Uh, thanks for joining us, my friend. You bet, man. Good to be with you. What did you hear from the press conference? I was in here rambling with uh, Brian Burke. What did you uh, glean from Johnny's availability? Well, you know, Johnny is a pretty smart guy. It was I wouldn't want to say it was scripted, but it's fairly fairly echoing what he has said already about this. He said all the right things, yeah. right? I'm, he's certainly not going to step out of line. And it's I, interesting because in that room the other too. day, they were saying all the wrong things in that yes. same podium. But anyway, that, that, can happen, that was a different it? person. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, I, I think it's genuine too. I mean, I think it's an awkward spot for him. I was just thinking earlier today, is there any other line of work where you, like if you don't like Bruce Springsteen, you just don't go to the Bruce Springsteen show. Mm. You don't go and boo him. You know what yeah, I mean? Good call. This is this is there are very few people who are going to in their lives experience what he's going to experience tonight. This very fishbowl effect with people hurling insults and boos at you. He's ready for it as much as you can be ready for it. Um, but it's 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 a weird thing. I think in his heart of hearts, he's probably ready to be on the bus out of here, mm -hmm. having had the experience. I think he's genuinely happy to see some people he hasn't seen in a while mm -hmm. i do think he liked it here in in his own way of course he did yeah um how could you not but i, I think he'll be very much relieved when it's over yeah yeah I, I i and i think because we have a bit of a template with you know matthew kachuk having done this yes. a month or so ago and I, I don't think anybody in this city now that we've gone through the matthew kachuk return thinks it'll go any differently right. but i can tell you that 
the booze for Matthew Kachuk, and you, you, you use the term hurling insults at you. I, I don't sense that. Like, there was no one at that game that night, you know, furious at Matthew Kachuk or throwing his jersey back on the ice. They were very much good-natured booze. This is just yeah. kind of like, hey, you know what? We all understand the way the business works. And they were lighthearted booze. I think that's similar to what he's going to get tonight. But let me ask you this. Are, are the two situations are different, They're though, very different. Right? So no, Chuck gave it. them an opportunity to acquire some pieces coming back. No one's been through this as much or more than Columbus has. Yeah. Players coming back that did not leave well. Uh, Bobrovsky, Panarin, Jeff Carter, Rick Nash. Nash, yeah. Who now works for the team but was booed vociferously when mm-hmm. he came back the first time. Um I mean, there's, there's, I think there's probably examples in every market, and each of them are a little bit different. Uh, Panarin gets booed a little less now. Bobrovsky barely hears it now, but boy, the first time yeah. back, it was loud, and it was, it's personal, is what it is. It was vitriolic, like people were genuinely mad. Okay, well, that's interesting. And it's personal. I think Calgary, I don't know enough about Calgary uh, to say this, but I know Columbus has a bit of an inferiority complex around the league Fair. for sure. So whenever something like that happens, you know, in a market like New York or Boston, it's sort of like, you know, get out of here. Yeah. Just beat it, pal. Yeah. Whereas in Columbus, it's like, oh, God, what do you not like about it? Like, yes. how, can, how can you be that way? And it really resonates there. They take it personally. And that's where it's different here because I don't think we have an inferiority complex in this city anymore. I, I don't know if we ever had, but people of this city are proud and, and make no – excuses about our city or yeah. for our city they you know and the organization here has been very clear you know brad trilling i'll keep saying look i want everyone to know that this didn't have anything to do with the city the city yeah. did nothing wrong right. this was just a guy who earned the right to make a choice and unfortunately he made the choice just a little too late and led them down too far of a garden path before he did it and that's what stung the most but i also think that on johnny's side and the reason why i think it'll all be pretty lighthearted tonight it'll be loud the booze will be loud, but it, they'll be lighthearted, is because enough time has passed. Yeah. Here we are, what, four months into the right. season. Had this happened the first week or during the team's 12-game losing streak, or what did we lose in seven games in a row This they lost at one point, that might have been different, but it's been a long time since this happened. Yeah, and he signed with the team that nobody in Calgary hates. That's right. Right? He signed with the team that's at the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. They're not a titan in the league that, that you would yeah. just dislike, period. So. There's none of that built-in stuff with it either. So it'll, yeah. it will be interesting to just get a feel for, yeah. for what it is. Hey, otherwise, this would be a Monday night game against <laughs> Columbus that nobody in Absolutely. this province or country could possibly care about. Yes. And yet, still, you've got ESPN here right now with a right. crew of hundreds uh, who are going to be broadcasting. 100%. Again, I don't know how big it will be received anywhere else in the league other than Columbus and Calgary, but we've got ourselves a, a real fun night ahead yeah, of us Absolutely tonight, no question. Now – uh, we're talking to Aaron Portsline from The Athletic uh, in Columbus. And tell me about Johnny Gaudreau. We, we see the numbers. He's got 44 points, I believe. He's got like 18 more than anybody else yeah. on the team. And I think that that's somewhat predictable. Now, you may counter by saying, well, no, Boone Jenner would probably be right there with him points-wise if he was healthy. Just tell me about the lack of him having – that that was the thing that glared to me. Who's he going to play with? Yeah. And I don't think he's got anywhere near the caliber of player to play alongside of him. Is that correct? Well, so on paper, you would think that Line A has the potential to work with him. Mm-hmm. It hasn't worked. There has not been, other than some sporadic bursts here and there, there has not been a, 
you know, the, these guys figuring each other out. It just doesn't look like there's magic there. Yeah. And in their defense, listen, Boone Jenner should not be criticized for playing the number one center role, but that's not who he is. Yeah, right? On a fair. good team, he's probably a second or third line left winger. So they're deeply flawed. This team is deeply flawed to begin with. And then you take, you know, basically the top 10% of talent off the roster with Wust- with uh, Wierenski getting hurt. Voracek, their leading point producer last year, out for the year, both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Line A's been out. Jenner's been out. Um, there's just no continuity and, frankly, not enough talent up front. So it's been kind of a one-man show for Gaudreau. Everything they create is off the rush. I think he just scored, he did. Yeah. He just scored his first power play goal the other night. Of the year? Of the year. Whoa. Uh, the power play, I think Connor McDavid has as many power play goals as the Blue Jackets do. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's not a – it's not a part of the it's game. It's not feared. Really. No. <laughs> um, so it's, it, you know, he does not have the supporting cast to begin with, and now the supporting cast has been just destroyed by injuries. They're all gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, yeah, he's – and I think he was really good the first couple months of the season. I frankly don't think he's been that great the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, the electricity of his game's <clears throat> off a little bit. Yeah. Um, I get it. The morale for a season like this is hard to find. They're – bottom of the league lost 11 of 12 on the road i mean they don't match up well at home against people they go on the road and you can really expose them with center matchups and defenseman matchups because they're in in both of those very critical spots they're just not good enough yeah yeah has he moved the needle like in the city in in terms of big picture well so he he did ticket wise for sure last Mm. summer and people have raved about their crowds i mean they played san jose the other night another team towards the bottom of the standings and they had standing room only 600 people, yeah, it, almost 19,000 people for a, for a Sunday game, mm-hmm. Monday game, Saturday game. Sorry. Saturday night. I know yeah. where I am. Well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, but those tickets have already been sold. And this mm-hmm. is kind of how it works in pro sports too, right? Yeah. Uh, lots of people stood in line, bought tickets for Johnny Gaudreau Blue Jackets, thinking playoffs probably this year. So I think next year is really going to be the tail of of where where the market lies but who knows what happens in the entry draft this year well that's my next question like is columbus enough of a hockey town where there would be a or is there starting to be a bedard buzz oh oh yeah oh oh really oh yes okay it's everything uh half of twitter after the game is fire larson the other half is Connor bedard they've been rooting for tanking for a month now okay and in their defense they've been out of it since U.S. Thanksgiving. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it just hasn't been a compelling season. They got off to a terrible start, and it's been fairly hopeless. Uh, it is all about Bedard. And management is in full-on Bedard mode. They are full-on Bedard mode. The players, of course, don't ever tank. No team is, no, no. players. They don't, they're not, they don't want this. Um, they're playing for jobs. They're playing for jobs. They're playing for pride. Who knows how mm-hmm. much longer they've got in a career. Um, but management is is banking on a top three pick in the draft. So when you say, man, are you are they calling up all sorts of youngsters and giving them lots of ice time so that the team can definitely make sure it continues to, you know, have a painful, you know, they're learning uh, as they yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, some of those call ups have been, uh, you know, required by yeah. the injuries. Yeah. They have not had a choice. I mean, I, I think it was game game fifteen, they had lost their top four point players on the power play. So you don't even know who three and four are because you don't get to those units. We found out who three and four are, and they got hurt too. So a guy named Marcus Bjork, who you've never heard of, no. people in Sweden have never heard of, he's Swedish, <laughs> he's running the power play in Come the NHL on. level. And it's just, I mean, 
Yes, it, it sure looks like a tank. I, I won't say that they've done what the Penguins did back in the Lemieux years where, you know, if some goalie gets hot, they're sending him down and bringing up a guy. <laughs> yeah. They're not doing that. Okay. Um, but but they're, they're not adding – they're not fixing up the house the rest of the way. Yeah. I, I've always said it, and, you know, obviously in this market, it's, it's almost like Johnny Gaudreau was replaced by Jonathan Huberdeau. There were different deals and all that. But sure. at the end of the day – He's playing the top line left wing. Well, that's where he was supposed to play. They've moved him to the right now. But And Huberto is nowhere near the same type of player. It's unfair to probably even try to pin him in the same way I just pinned him. But my point that I'm getting at is Johnny Gaudreau is one of the top five or ten most exciting players I've ever seen in my life. How do you rank him? And or do you see that electricity and is he literally one of those guys where he gets people up off their seat as he comes across the blue line? Yeah. Well, he he doesn't look in Columbus as he did last year in Calgary, mm-hmm. for sure. Doesn't have Lindholm, doesn't have Kachuk. Yeah. Um, so, but there are tons of kids running around Columbus in Gaudreau sweaters. Yeah. He's the, yes, he's the focal point of young eyes at the rink when, when, when people come. He's the the signs that people make and hold up along the bowl during warm-ups, all of those things. I think he is seen as part of what they hope will be a, another just pretty good team for a few years. Made the playoffs four years in a row. Took out Tampa in the playoffs, and it, it quickly fizzled. I think he he is the hope, among others, that this can get back to being a competitive team again. Mm-hmm. It's pretty remarkable in Columbus. when you, We talked about the fan support earlier. They've never won more than one round in the playoffs. Like 23 years, they've never taken mm-hmm. the city on a run. Yeah. And they're still really more supportive of the team than you would anticipate in a, in a market such as Columbus. It's good to hear. And it, it's got to, it's, it's, it means that the league didn't make a mistake by going there. Correct. And a great fan base. And uh, it's exciting to hear that. Now, when you look at – not that people in Calgary too, care too much, but, but very briefly – when you talk about building blocks for this organization moving forward, if they get Bedard or a top three pick, yeah. so it'll be that guy, it'll be Johnny Gaudreau, yeah. is it Wierenski? Give me five guys that you are now going to build a, around the nucleus. Sure. Well, Wierenski's is still a young player. David Yurichek is a player they top, took number six overall last year. They love Denton Matichuk. I'm, I'm going to go see in Moose Jaw here in a couple of days, another defenseman they took last year. Uh, Kent Johnson, number yeah. five overall pick. He's mm-hmm. in the NHL right now. Uh, paying his dues, struggling a little bit. I, I, how is how big is the Peltier kid? Because Johnson is about that size and gets ragdolled a lot, but yeah. keeps coming back. Playmaker, they've got him back on the wing now. Um, they like they they've got some players. There's a kid that's just destroying the the queue right now. Um, Josh Dumay. I think he's got more points than Bedard does. Believe it or not. Is that right? Um, now he's he's five seven. And not a great skater, so you go, oh. is this going to transfer? Okay. But at every level, you he's been counted out, and at every level he's produced at a high, at a, at a big-time offensive number. So we'll see. There's They've drafted three defensemen in the first round in the last two years. Um, I think that Corson Kuhleman's another kid, a defenseman at, at uh, Wisconsin, who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So there is a wave here coming. You know, that, that defense is just so bad right now, and they may lose Gavrikov to free agency. Okay. And so they go from having really only two top four guys with Rensky and Gavrikov to now needing to replace, needing to find three others. Is that Boquist? 
Hasn't been yet. Is it Jake Bean? He's out for the year with a shoulder injury. Hasn't been him yet. There's a lot of question marks, really, more than answers. So they're probably still a few years away. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty, pretty evident by looking at their point totals and having seen them play. Although, when I last saw you, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets were beating the Calgary Flames. Oh, it was a good game. Yeah. It was a very good game, yeah. and uh, and the Blue Jackets certainly didn't look like a last place team. It's crazy. Uh, and, and I guess good on that the nucleus of that team for propping Johnny up and helping yeah. because I don't think John, Johnny didn't have a spectacular game. He didn't. No. And uh, but the team kind of lifted him up. And yeah. One last question about about your team is uh, Erica Branson. Like we absolutely love this guy yeah. in this market. Yeah. The fan base loved him. He's got to be one of the most beloved number six defenseman that this organization right. or any organization's ever had and it turned his career around sure. to the point where he signed a deal that still people are shaking their head about yes they are but how has he fit in in columbus and uh, and and what what have your dealings been with him because i'm sure they've been phenomenal yeah well i mean he he is I, I like having a guy like that on the team he's a he's a real dressing room guy as yeah. you know he, yeah. he reminds me of the some of the players i covered back in the early 2000s when I first started covering the team, the older guys, when there were older guys in the league. Yeah. Um, he reminds me of those guys. I think you need those guys around. Four years, four million per. Big ticket. Um, surprised a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I, the unfair thing for, for him is, you said it, he's a number six and should be a number six. Yeah. And because of the situation here in Columbus, he's, he's for sure a top four. Because yeah. of all that's been lost to injuries and, and, and poor performance. So he's play he's like Boone Jenner. It's like hitting Boone Jenner over the head for not being a number one center. It's just not who you're, he is. You're crowning good Branson for not being a top four defensive. Yeah. That's not what he is. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's played hard. I think he's he's played well some nights. But there are nights against top lines where he, he gets exposed, especially in the neutral zone and mm -hmm. in, in those situations. Um, I think the contract may look better if they can beef that defense up. Yeah, and put him back in a more appropriate role. I don't mind the money; it's the term. I think that's a little surprising yeah. for people. Yeah. But you know, good on him. He's yeah. paid his dues. Good. Hey, everyone that and the media in this city, anyway, and I think a lot of fans too are like, you know what? Good on him. We're, yeah. They, he did this uh, team very well last year, yeah. and uh, and he deserved character guy. Character guy for sure. Pretty funny dude too, as well. Yeah. Uh, listen, Aaron Portsign, you're one of the best in the business. I appreciate oh, you joining thanks, me. Thanks, my man. Thank you. And we'll see you tonight, of course. Sounds good. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Okay. A uh, couple minutes left in the show, and I just want to address uh, – I want to thank people. The The fan feedback line has been uh, uh, just riddled with uh, people. You know, what Daryl Sutter said the other day and how he disrespected the media and in turn disrespected uh, Jacob Pelche. It really resonated with a lot of people, and uh, I want to thank a lot of the people who, who wrote in uh, to me over the last couple of days, but also on the fan feedback line, just saying thank you for uh, saying what I said, uh, writing what I wrote, and, and saying what I said earlier today. Um, I do. It will be interesting to see how this coach proceeds. Um, uh, the president of the uh, hockey team was at the press conference today, keeping an eye on the press conference. I've never seen that unless there's a significant signing or something like that happening. Uh, that was a very interesting development today. So um, the leash will be a little shorter, I think. I, I, I just think it's going to be very interesting from now to the end of the season because uh, I, I have yet to run into anybody who thought that uh, the way he conducted himself after that game the other night was appropriate. Uh, so we'll be monitoring that uh, as the team moves forward. In the meantime, thanks, everybody, uh, for listening to the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you, of course, by Horse Racing 
Alberta, and uh, we couldn't do the show without their support. And uh, also, we thank them for all they've done uh, for the uh, local economy. The, uh, the Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses. It employs Albertans and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. And uh, everybody, enjoy the game tonight. If you haven't heard, Johnny Gaudreau will be back in town. Uh, voice your, your uh, thoughts as you will. I do think it'll be a lot of fun. I don't think it'll be harsh. I think it'll be very good-natured. But I've been wrong many, many times before, and I stand to be corrected. We'll have the uh, the broadcast, Ryan Leslie and I, Rick Ball, Kelly Rudy on TV tonight. Don't forget to listen to Lubo and uh, Derek Wills on the radio broadcast. And, of course, the legend, Pat Steinberg. Uh, you've been listening to the Eric Francis Show. We do it every Monday from 1 until 2 o'clock. And I also want to thank... Brian Burke for joining us earlier and being quite candid with his thoughts on Johnny Gaudreau, uh, Ivan Provorov, and, and many other topics. All right, we'll do it all again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening.